I'm Lisa Hyde, and welcome to the Confidence Crown Podcast. I believe one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is freedom. It all starts with your journey into self-belief and creating the confidence to live your life with abundance. Ladies, it's time to earn and own your crown and be the yes queen you are destined to be. Together, let's make it rain. Welcome back, babes. I'm super excited about this season's lineup of amazing, powerful, and ultra-badass women who are examples for all of us on how we can get it done. Well, hello, lovelies. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Man, she has got a unique story I don't think you've ever heard before. Can you imagine what it'd be like not to remember most of the people around you or how you met them? Well, Jamie Cord is a DJ in Los Angeles, and she has complex retrograde amnesia. Yep, she does not remember meeting her husband, dating or getting married, starting her business, or even hiring her staff. In March of 2014, her mother passed away in her arms. Nine months later, she would lose her dad. The next day, she lost herself. Come listen to her explain what happened, what it's like living with retrograde amnesia, and how she had to fall in love with her husband all over again. So we're just going to jump right in. I want you guys to hear directly from Jamie because I cannot do her story justice, but I'm going to let her share a little bit about her amnesia experience and actually more about what she does because I didn't mention she's a Disney princess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely two things that you don't tend to hear together. (laughs) No. DJ and Disney princess. DJ, Disney princess. Yeah. With amnesia. Um, With amnesia. So I I have a complex retrograde amnesia. And in general, when people are, when people are thinking about amnesia, they think about 50 first dates because that was such a big hit. Um, That is actually a different type of amnesia. That's interrograde amnesia. And that is the inability to make memories moving forward. So in that movie, she remembers her life before her accident. And her, mm-hmm. she has an inability to make new short-term memories. So that's actually interrograde. What I have is retrograde amnesia. So it's the loss of all of my life episodes before October 2013. There is a movie that goes over this topic. And it's a real story, or at least it's based on a real story. And it's called The Vow. V-O-W. Yeah. Like you'd say the vows at, at your wedding. And she lost, I want to say... She lost five years of her life, never to regain it. Mm. Um, But there is a movie about retrograde amnesia. And in general, when people are are a little bit more curious about the things that I struggle with or that I deal with or what my life is like, that's actually the movie that I send them to. Although 50 First Days is hilarious. And there is a lot of comedy. There's a lot of comedy in there. Um, You know, there's definitely two sides, not just the tragedy. But the way that I wound up with amnesia. Um, I actually, I don't remember my life before October of 2013. Wow. Why my brain picked that particular month to start randomly recording very fuzzy memories. I really don't know. Hmm. Uh, my mom at the time, she had been dying and she passed away in my arms in March, 2014. I'm so sorry. And that was expected. Um, my mom had been ill, like I said, for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, when you're someone's advanced healthcare director and you're making end of life decisions, oh, yeah. it's a really tough thing. My dad, I lost nine months later and my dad was unexpected. Mm. So it was actually the day after um, everything happened with my dad that I woke up and something was wrong. So the last thing that I really remember, and understand that this is the end of November, very, very late November, early December, 2014. Um, I remember coming home and I'm just sobbing uncontrollably. Uh And I I, I couldn't be consoled. And I don't have a family. Um, It's really just me and my husband. And then of course it was my mom and dad. And we don't have any children. And I remember closing the door behind me and sliding down my front door, just in hysterics. Mm-hmm. And my husband came and he sat next to me and he was trying to comfort me. And of course, there's just not a whole lot you can do. Grief is grief. And now my grief was compounded. 
And I remember him picking me up eventually and carrying me into the bedroom where I cried myself to sleep. And the next day is actually when I woke up and there was, there was a problem, but it took three days to figure out that there was something going on. And, uh, that was because you have to understand is that I was in mourning already. I had been mourning my mom. So there wasn't a whole lot of regular human interaction that was going on. I was kind of at home. I was running my business from behind the scenes. So about three days later, I remember my husband had been doing the laundry and he, he brought, he brought the laundry basket in with the clean clothes. And I, neither of us remember what this is actually about, but I was furious with him just on a scale of one to 10. I was a 10 and we're not a couple that yells at each other. We're just not that way. Um, I was screaming Mm -hmm. and he just walked in with the laundry. (laughs) Nothing had happened. I don't even know if we had interacted at all that day. And so he had asked me, what, what are you talking about? And I explained whatever the issue was, you know, we don't remember what it was, but he said, honey, that happened 10 years ago. So at that point we realized something was wrong. Um, So then the testing begins and you start going through, um, you know, the doctors, they, they, there's not a whole lot that they know in regards to whether or not I was going to get my memories back. And they said, you know, the world, the, the, the brain is a little world of mystery. You could get them back. You might not get them back. It's mm-hmm. trauma induced. So there wasn't a physical brain injury, but right. my brain was reacting exactly the same as a traumatic brain injury physically. Absolutely. The reaction was exactly you. the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so, it, it makes all the sense in the world. It's just unbelievable that you went through this. It's very rare. It's very, very rare. And I, I remember at the time when we, when we started the testing and I was asking, I really wasn't super concerned. It was weird. It was very, very weird. But it's, I had remembered the day before. I mm. remembered who I was, what I lost. There's two different types of memories. So there, I mean, for ease of you know purpose for explaining, um, there's two different types of memory. There's procedural memory, which is knowing who you are, knowing how to write your name, you know, what day it is, how to walk, how to type those types of things. That's in, that's procedural. And then there's episodic, which is the episodes of your life, your memories, the sum of who you are as a human being, the things you've seen, the things that you've experienced. So it's my episodic memory that has been damaged. So in the beginning, I wasn't terribly worried about it. I had a year's worth of memory at that time. Um, and we were trying to figure out when I had the earliest memories and, you know, the testing is starts and you go through PET scans and you go through all the stuff. Um, and they said, well, you know, the brain is a little world of mystery. You could get mm. them back. Mm. You might not get them back. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. And I wasn't very nervous about it. I don't know why, but I thought within a month, I don't know where that number came from. I thought within a month, for sure, my memories will come back. Wow. Um, But then a month passed and they didn't. And then three months passed. And then six months. And then a year. At the two-year mark, I found myself, I had become nearly obsessed with chasing these memories. I don't remember being a kid. I don't remember my mom not being sick. I don't remember being held as a child or going to school or any of the normal experiences that a human experiences. And for the first two years, that's a really scary world to navigate. It's got to be scary and frustrating. And again, you're grieving, like you're, you're Mm -hmm. a ball of emotions. I I can't even imagine um, how you kept your head on straight. Um, You know, I think it was a lot of denial. Yeah, definitely a lot of denial, at least in the beginning, a lot of denial. And then as things kept progressing, there was a lot of frustration. I think it was hardest on my friends. I'm definitely hardest on my husband Um, because I wasn't, I didn't, I don't remember meeting him. I still don't. I don't remember meeting him. I don't remember falling in love with him. I don't remember my wedding. I don't remember any of that. And how long did you two, how long have you been together when this happened? We've been together. Oh, how long had we been together at that yeah, time? Yeah. Oh gosh, he'd be the better one to ask about that. But, <laughs> well, he, you don't I, have I, your I, cliff I, notes on this. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, sorry. Well, I can tell you our, our wedding anniversary is coming up, and for me, 
you know, next year we're going to, we're, we're going to have a quote unquote wedding. You know, we're already married, but we're going to have a wedding. Cause I don't remember Aww. any of that. And even though my husband does, I don't. So we're actually right. going to throw a wedding and have his family come. I don't have any, so it's going to be his family and our friends that we love. And they're going to be there. And, uh, you know, have, I want a first dance and I want all that stuff. So for us on our invitations, we're, we're putting five years because for me, that's how long we've been together. Wow. So that's been an adjustment for him. Yeah. And it was very, very difficult really for, for them. What was scary for me is when you have amnesia, you're fed information and there's no way to know yeah, if the person is telling you the truth. Yeah. You really don't. And it's a very scary world because you're afraid that people are going to prey on you. And up until that second year, the end of the second year, I was very private about it. My close friends knew what was going on, my close friends. But my outer circle of friends and beyond, I just kind of started disappearing out of their lives. Right. I became more at arm's reach because I was waiting till these memories came back or so that, you know, I didn't look as crazy because that's really how you feel. You feel crazy and it's an embarrassing condition to have. You don't realize it, but people come up all the time going like, hey, Jamie, how are you doing? And I'm looking at this individual like, I probably should know you. I have oh, no idea who you are. Okay, and that happens to a million this. people. And that's <laughs> and we true. all do this. We all <laughs> do this true. all the time. I'm like, oh my God, did I go to school with you? Were you a client? <laughs> was, I don't remember. Now imagine that being with nearly 100% of the people that you know. Of course. Of course and that's what my life was like. And it's, it still happens today. So you, you learn from, I, I'm open about it now. Yeah. But, you know, you learn from social cues where you mimic their facial expressions and mm. you start deflecting questions. Well, who cares about me? Tell me what's going right. on with you. When was the last right. time we saw each other? And then they'll say, oh, it was at my wedding. I'm okay. I probably DJed their wedding. Yeah. Or, oh, we, you know, it's so-and-so's party or whatever it is. And then you kind of get little clues on how you're supposed to know each other Dang. without coming out and saying, I'm so sorry. I have no idea who you are. Right. So for the person who's talking to me, they're only facing that one time. But for me, I'm facing it hundreds of times. Of course. Over and over and over again. Of course. That's a little that's a little tough. So there's yeah, a silly so. movie, if you haven't seen it yet, called Overboard, which is an old <laughs> My Goldie Hawn. Yeah, Goldie Hawn. <laughs> My and husband talks about that. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about that because um, she pretended to be married to him. Um, yeah, I've yeah. seen pictures, so I know he's not trying to pull a ruse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just trying the, to lighten the, the mood. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. For my husband, you know, for, for him, listening to him tell his side of the story is for me, you know, far more interesting than mine. He had all this history and, you know, the, the likes and dislikes of the, the, the pre-amnesia person version of me. We call me like current Jamie or Jamie 2.0 or, wow. you know, we have these funny little nicknames for pre-amnesia and, and post. And there are times where we'll have, you know, some sort of conversation and he'll just have this really funny look on his face. And I'll ask him, did they, did this used to be an issue? Aww. And he said, oh yeah, yeah, this was an issue at one point. I'm like, well, I don't remember any of that. So you can go ahead and adjust. <laughs> there you go. It's so like he has referenced overboard. Oh. <laughs> He's like, you I should, have no faults. We've yeah. never argued. <laughs> <laughs> he is the perfect man. You are so and, and lucky. He tells me. Yes. Oh my god. He gosh. tells me that. <laughs> well, Jamie, you have an amazing business. You have a DJ business where you have fourteen employees. Am I right with that? Yeah, I've got I've got fourteen guys that work for me regularly. Nice. going out. Nice. Yeah. Hear that? Fourteen guys that work for her. Well guys, done. Yeah. Well done. There are some girls that that. I, I do have other performers that work for me mm-hmm. and that go into the nightclubs and I don't tend to count them in my normal stable of performers only because of the fact that I can only use them in one area. So I, there are actual women uh, MCs, uh, girl MCs that, that work at the company, but none that are to the caliber that we need to go out and represent us as uh, with a private party. And so. so part of your amnesia is you also don't remember hiring these people. Is that mm-hmm. tough as a business owner to 
be responsible in a sense and have these people who say, well, you told me you were going to pay me this much and you told me I was going to have that gig. I mean, well, the, the good thing is that I, I had, I, and I still do, I have a year's worth of memories before my amnesia began. So I had mm. remembered the day before I remembered the most painful year of my life. So I was Oof. still working. I just wasn't performing at that time. Right. So it just so happened that I was already grieving and I wasn't taking new new parties. I wasn't taking on new clients personally, but as the company, I was sending out my other guys. So I already knew their pay rate. I already oh, knew good. their strengths. So I already knew them as people because I'd been interacting with them for the entire year. So I are, and I, I'm the one that pitches them. So I already knew about their, their strengths and their weights and all that stuff. And we keep oh very, very good records and good. You know, all that stuff. So I just don't remember hiring them. It's crazy. I mean, it's just yeah. like in the in the scheme of things. Like when, again, like when you're acknowledging you own a business, you have 14 employees, um, and those integral moments, like the reasons why you took them on. <laughs> what was yeah. it about them, you know, that made you want to basically invest in them? So, man, that has to be challenging for you on the daily, not just when it comes to annual bonus time. <laughs> you must like, <laughs> this must be something where well, you like, have was, to map it out. In, in the beginning, it was, it was challenging and just because I had to relearn a lot of stuff, even with my own company. There are some things that didn't make the transition mm-hmm. between procedural memory and episodic. So I had to relearn music, you know, by the time that I started performing again, music had changed anyway. So I had to relearn music. Wow. That didn't come over with my procedural memory. I actually had to learn my music all over again, but my husband said I actually picked up on it really, really quick. So it must be in there somewhere, Uh, or at least it was that it was able to make that connection relatively quickly. Normally it's two years where you're really learning how to read a crowd and it didn't take me that long to to do that and not anywhere near that. I had to relearn my, my system, you know, not just set up and tear down, but uh, troubleshooting and, you know, kind of the boring stuff, the technical stuff. But, but as far as the guys are concerned, I was yeah. able to, yeah. And I was able to work with all of them. So, you know, when I was hopping back into performing, I was working with all of them. You know, we, we do get a chance to work together quite a bit. So now, did they know what was going on or were you a little quiet with them as well about the whole deal? You know, we weren't as quiet with the DJs just because of the fact that, um, <laughs> when you surround yourself with really, really talented people, Mm-hmm. And you become what is the true meaning of company. You really are a company of players, a company of people to you know, drive this machine that we've created. You have to rely on them. Good. And no, so I'm if glad. I, if, if I, I that would probably be hard if you had to like keep that away from them. Yeah. Yeah. So we, d- we didn't from the guys. I, I just didn't think that there was a reason to. It was just mm-hmm. kind of this weird thing that I was going through. And the guys, they were already like, they knew I had lost my mom. They knew I lost my dad. So they, they were still, you know, on, they right. understood what was going on the entire time. So when this new thing came up going like, so something really weird is happening with my memories. I'm not going to do this particular party. I'm going to take myself off as the second right. and I'm going to put this person on with you. So, if, you know, it just so happened that these things were going on at a time where I was already grieving my mom. So it really did not impact my business in a negative way. Um, well, in fact, good. I think the the opposite because I don't have any baggage. <laughs> I don't yeah. bring any baggage from the past. Yeah. I Lucky tried you. to follow some of the notes that were left behind from the pre amnesia Jamie of what you know her <laughs> business plan and those type of things. And to be honest, I just can't follow it. I have no idea what she was really trying to map out. Oh, um, really intellectual and super cool, but I just absolutely don't feel any of it and and didn't. So I scratched all of that stuff and. Um, kind of tweaked and revamped from there. That's what I thought kind was of incredible. It's like you really you got a you got a fresh start. Yeah, like yeah, if, got a it, fresh I start. Mean, a rough one for sure, but you got a clean slate. Like you don't remember your business plan. What if? What if you had like a? <laughs> you're like headed down the there's, wrong there's road. Some, Here you got a chance really to like positive, clean it up. Like, exactly. Yeah. These, these are the positive things of Amnesia. Yeah. Sadly, I mean. It doesn't, the, amnesia isn't selective. So yeah. you lose the good of along course. with the bad, you know, but there are really positive things where if there was some scarred up memory I had from, let's just say some party I had done or 
a party planner, something they said, but blah, blah, blah. I, whatever would have been, I have no knowledge of any of that. So I have no reason. Mm-hmm. I've always owned a very successful company. I didn't have to build it. I didn't have to come up with a formula. I didn't have to hire the guys. I just woke up in the most incredible career ever. Well, it's and, pretty incredible because, um, I mean, I had the pleasure of meeting you last month when you actually, when we've had the tables were turned, you were interviewing me for a panel that I was speaking on. And the first thing I thought about when I met you, you're so like this bright light, like there's so much good energy from you. I couldn't even imagine. It might be because I don't have all those scars from before. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't imagine um, the Jamie that went through all of this hurt because you just present yourself in such a, just a warm and bubbly, like I, I use the word light a lot here. Cause you just like, you just have this aura about you. And it, when you told me about the Disney part of it, I was like, well, that makes sense because you're like this real life <laughs> princess. Like you've got this beautiful rainbow aura around you and you're just like floating through life. And not to say you <laughs> haven't had a rough time at it, my dear, but not the person that you present to the, to the world. Like I, I would never had known this side of you. I appreciate that. I definitely yeah. do. Yeah, I think it helps the fact that I am in the performance industry just because you become very, very good at knowing where your boundaries are, where your work boundaries are, where your life boundaries are, when you need more self-care. I'm hyper aware of my needs. I don't know if anyone else is as aware as I am of my friends and family that I interact with on a regular basis. Cause I'm normally the one that's like, something's off. Is something off? I feel like something's off. And <laughs> I'll sit down and I'll look at my schedule or my calendar. And be like, you know what? I haven't been doing this as much lately. Hmm. And so I'm just really super hyper aware of the amount of time that I need to laugh and play and where that work life balance has to be. My so dear, that makes lead, me feel really good. <laughs> yeah, you're leading perfectly into my next question, which has to do with how you do create and build and find your confidence. Because obviously, you've been through trauma as I have. And I mean, I wasn't left with amnesia, but um, unfortunately, I remember everything. I don't wish any of this on anyone, for sure. Being a caregiver is one of the hardest things we've ever experienced in our lives. And I wouldn't want to put that on anyone. But You've just said you are very attuned. You know when things are off. You know when you need to slow down and take time. I would love to hear what's a typical schedule or how do you put in your self-care, self-love time? How do you take care? Because you are one of the most confident people I've ever met. Oh, that makes me feel so great. Oh, I'm just going to keep talking. We're going to do this podcast for the rest of my life. <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think in order to get to what I do with my schedule and my my daily routines and just kind of how I keep an eye on myself, you'd probably want to know how I decide to go forward. When you don't have memories, except for understand, I have this year of really traumatic stuff and right. I don't have anything before that. So at the two-year mark, I was starting to do experimental procedures. And I was, like I said, relatively uh, obsessed with gaining my memories back. In a story writing environment, you have character arc. You always have the main character. And we're the main character of our own lives, you know? Right. Um, you, you reach different levels of your life, you, different character arcs. You know, you did, you ate, let's just say, real, you know, junk food before, and then you hit this point in your life and something happened, and then you were really healthy from that point forward. And when you lose all of your memories, you lose all of your character arcs. Mm. So you're a blank slate, but there's like this emptiness that's in you. And so for the first two years, I was really chasing those memories pretty hard. And okay. I just remember going through this experimental procedure. They have, been experimenting on it with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. And I, I want to say dementia, but Parkinson's and Alzheimer's specifically. And of course, all of this is out of pocket and it is experimental, but it's a version of electrocution therapy. Mm. And I would leave these so sick that I'd have to pull over and vomit from all of this, you know, electricity basically oh that I've been going through my body, maybe very sick. So I had, this was my character arc. This is where I had to decide you're either going to keep one foot in the past and one trying to move forward, or you're going to let go 
of what used to be and realize that clearly you don't need those memories yeah. and you're just going to have to make whatever life it is that you want. So I, I finally hit that point and I remember deciding, okay, you know what? I'm never getting them back. It's been two years and I still haven't, you know, I, I, it's about four and a half years now. I still haven't gotten anything back, but again, I didn't need to. So from that point forward, I decided what kind of life do I want to live? And one of the areas of my brain that's damaged is the ability to future project. So in order to know where you're going or where you want to end up, you have to have the ability to visualize what your life would look like or, or what it is yeah. you'd like. And that section of my brain is injured. So I don't have the ability to future project and hadn't. So wow. for the next about year to year and a half, I did a lot of talking to people, talking to experts, not just doctors, because and doc, my doctors are great, but talking to people that I met online that they're like, you know, I do these vision boards. Can I ask you some questions about that? Or yeah. whoever I thought might give me some nugget of information of how do you make a vision board? Because I, I, I understand this is a, you know, really pretty pictures and everything, but how does that actually happen? Because my brain doesn't understand the concept. And so I, I eventually met this one lady and she and I sat down together and she said, well, you know, when it goes on your vision board, it's just stuff that you'd want to experience that year. Yeah. And I had honestly never considered that ever. And my brain never made that connection. So I said, <sighs> okay, well, what do I want to experience? And my brain gave me no answers, absolutely none. Because I'll ask myself those questions. Wow. What do you want to experience this year? Nothing. Like crickets, if there was this dramatic, yeah. you know, just crickets. And um, so I, I looked online and I was like, okay, well, what are, what are important categories in my life? So, okay, well, I'm married. So my, my romance category is important to me. Um, and I have a wonderful husband. So I, you know, I wanted to, to grow or feel connected to him. Um, you know, I have personal development, which I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be yet, but definitely stepping into the future and not being right. tied to the past in any way. And that's a very, very big thing Huge. with amnesia. Huge. Um, and, you know, you have your spiritual life, you have uh, your, your work-life balance because there are friends. I actually do have friends who require and deserve my attention as well. Absolutely. So I actually, I made like little categories and then I had just gone through the computer and I think I went to Pinterest and I pulled up some, some pretty photos. They didn't really inspire me, but it was, it was a beginning. Yeah. The second year that I did this, my brain was able to accomplish some of the things that were on that vision board. And so the, the neurons in my brain started making more of connections on how to future project. I'm still not all that great at it. Um, I can future project, but not to the end of the year. But I think I can do it within like a six month period, which is a miracle. Jamie, that for is so an incredible. amnesiac. Like yeah. at least with what I've got, like that's amazing. Because I hadn't had that in in all these in all of my memory. That's so incredible. I, I can figure out you know the, the next year that I had done it, what it is that I want. So eventually, it worked out into this beautiful daily routine of what I require as a human <laughs> to have my sanity is to get up when no one else is awake. <laughs> and that's yes. just because the world makes a lot of demands. We're business owners, entrepreneurs. I'm a wife. Um, I'm not a mom, but I'm a puppy mom. Yeah. Um, she doesn't make a whole lot of demands. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the world does make demands on you. And it, and it really does fight for your attention. So I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I have three hours to myself before my husband gets up, before... Before my emails, like I don't do anything before nine o'clock and I have three hours to myself to Good. read if I want to read, do some study and meditation, prayer is in there, whatever it is that I personally want to do for my personal development, I might journal. I and those three hours are sacred to me. If I miss it, and there have been times, especially being physically injured recently with the, I have an injury on my left hand you know, they put you on medication and you're knocked out. <laughs> you get up and I'm like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I missed my time. And oh. I really do. I feel that lack. I feel it because you don't really check in with yourself because you wake up to three questions being asked of you because someone's been waiting until you, oh, you yeah. wake up or, you know, the 17 texts that have come in somehow because right. you slept in. 
Um, so I make sure that I have those three hours because I really, really do feel it. And then the rest of the time is spent, you know, with my husband, with my business, with working out future goals. And I will reference my vision board for the things that I would like to experience and accomplish and then just decide what sounds fun that month to try to work into it. And so I make little monthly goals. And then when it comes to the week, I'll decide what sounds fun to do this week. And then depending on the week, it'll either happen or it won't. And it'll sometimes be moved to the next month, sometimes be moved to the next year. Oh, you mean life? Like like you just, (laughs) you're like every other human being? Okay. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. But I love that. That's what's so brilliant is that I feel like because of that, I can be like any other normal human being that doesn't have this to always come into play. So I think that's actually how I, how I balance it, but it, it did come at a very, very big price where I had to decide I don't want to live my life looking in a rearview mirror. I don't want to live my life any other way than where I want to end up. And even if I don't have that entire visualization down yet, I'll get there. I will absolutely get there. And there's nothing waiting for me backwards. So I had to make that decision. I believe you. Your, you know, your confidence in your in your story is so strong. Um, I believe that. I don't believe you want to live in your past. I believe you are 100% set on your future. And you can see that because you're not hanging on to anything. You're not feeling sorry for yourself. You're not... Um, oh, I, ha- I have my pity parties. That Those, well, those do happen. Like, like I, just, human. I just don't unpack. <laughs> I don't unpack and live there. Yes. So I will have those times where I'm like, okay, it's a bad day. Okay, cry it out. And I will actually, I'm very aware also of my inner dialogue, the way I talk to myself, I'm very aware of. Good. And I will see if I can catch things that will, because sometimes things go through your mind if you don't feel like you're up to a task or whatever. It's like, okay, well, what do you think is holding you back? Are you afraid of succeeding? Are you afraid of doing this? There you go. Um, so I'm very aware of the inner dialogue that happens. So I, do, I have, you know, those days where, you know, I feel that it's it's overwhelming and you know, why should I have to deal with all of this when I just want to be a normal person and, and I yet, want to run at 90 miles an hour, but, I've but got that's what a normal that person, but that's what I'm saying. A normal person exactly. does feel that way. They get overwhelmed. They get tired. They get frustrated. But and I you, think because of what I've been through, I will tell myself, you know what? It's okay. It's, it's just a bad yeah. day. A bad day doesn't even mean a full, a full day. Right. Cause there have been days where I've woken up and I felt overwhelmed and I will allow myself to cry you cry, you take some time, just don't unpack and live there. And sometimes it'll turn around by the end of the day. And I have had the greatest day ever. And sometimes it'll stretch a couple of days. So I'm just aware of allowing myself to experience whatever emotion, but focusing on, okay, now it's time to get back up and keep going forward. Do you set up any kind of a mental state? Oh, absolutely. Because it is easy to get stuck in that. It's, it's very easy to be in that comfortable like, I'm gonna, just going to rest. I'm just going to, you know, wait till I feel better because we can wait till <laughs> we feel better for years. I mean, there are times in our life where we don't feel great, but you got to keep going mm. forward. And that's what I see in you. I see the tenacity and that kind of grit where you just keep going. You're like, okay, I might be having a rough day, but I'm not going to stop because I do have a goal to meet and I have a business to run. I have a husband. You know, I, I have <laughs> things that I have to show up for. Right. I'm curious though, do you ever set aside time? Do you, do you reward yourself for all your efforts? Cause you do have, the, you do have a lot of work on yourself. That is a very interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. With my condition, the reward centers in my brain, which are connected to dopamine, mm-hmm. uh, which is a natural chemical that's released in the brain. Um, my, the reward centers in my brain are damaged. So wow. I have gone the last several years without a reward signal. And I want to say, and I will actually write down every month when I have like these little breakthroughs or new little things and I'll keep track of them. My doctors tell me to do that because this is what they tell people with retrograde amnesia to do. Mm Because you'll go through day to day, month to month, and you'll be like, I didn't accomplish anything. When you might've accomplished a huge amount of things, you just really weren't aware on it, aware of it because you were doing other things. So I'll track all of that. And I think the first time I got a, a reward signal was 2018 in January and it was so faint (laughs) and it was such a short amount of time that I wasn't sure 
if that's what was the feeling of reward because my brain doesn't remember feeling reward and oh, what it actually wow. feels like. Okay. That being said, fast forward, we just happened to be talking on this particular week and I just did a really large event with Disney this past week within the last five days. It was actually this, this previous Sunday. And I put together this, um, this outfit for a large photo shoot that I was doing and it had to light up. It had to glow. And I don't mean like, you know, little wires and whatever, like it had, it had to look like Tron. Wow. And it was in a certain style. And I had to do that while I was doing everything else. So I was coming home, you know, I was working in the office or I was out DJing. I'd take a nap for a couple of hours. I'd be up and I'd be working on this for a couple of hours before going back to bed. So come Sunday, this Sunday, uh, you know, I put everything on. I'm like, okay, well, I have, I'm getting ready for this photo shoot. And I, when I was driving home, I was on the phone with my husband and I was just laughing uncontrollably. And Aww. he said, you're very, very giggly. Are you mm. feeling a reward? And I said, Aww. does giggly, is that what that feels like? Cause I'm really not sure. And he said, yeah, a reward signal feels giggly. And I'm like, then I feel a reward. And it was really, really strong. And by the time that I got home, I didn't want to go to bed no, because this is the <laughs> first time I'd felt a reward in five years. My brain didn't remember or even, it wasn't even aware that it was a reward I was feeling 100%. And it wasn't short. It wasn't faint. It was a full blown reward signal. And I never wanted to let it go. And I'm like, it almost feels like a surfer when they get into the tube, yeah. you know, the, the waves. And they're just kind of like in this little tiny patch of air and they're, they're just barely outrunning this beautiful wave. And from what I've heard, that's really addictive And it's almost impossible to describe and you just want to be there all the time. And I felt exactly that way. Like, how how can I get more of this? So that actually just happened this last Sunday. Well, I'm so Um, excited. I, I'm not entirely sure what the solution is for that. I haven't worked okay, out my the dear, solution um, for We have a little retail <laughs> therapy that a lot of us like to do. I'm going to have to come show you how to take care of that. Um, give me your budget. Spending on a credit card, that's yes. absolutely no problem. That I okay. can do. <laughs> okay. Retail therapy is one of the best things in life. When you can keep your budget, um, yes, you, you deserve a splurge. <laughs> you have earned it, my dear. This is this is what we talk about—a reward system. For some people, it means going to get a manicure or a pedicure, for or going to Starbucks. I mean, there's everyone's right. got a different tier of what they consider a reward, but you have shown that you do the effort, that you actually get results. So you need to reward yourself. Um, I do. And And you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because I really would love to get your feedback and maybe the feedback of your listeners on things that, that they can suggest that I try. And the reason is because the things that you've mentioned, I have tried those as rewards. And this is, this has been something I've been working on for the last two and a half years, if not longer, because you become pretty aware that you're not receiving any emotional positivity for hard effort yeah, and that your hard effort is going to produce a positive outcome that's going to make you feel good inside. And so you become very aware that that's not happening. So I have set up things like the manicure and pedicure, uh, a bath bomb, um, buying myself this beautiful dress that's super out of my price range. Um, (laughs) I have set up things like that and and I will do it and I'll purchase the item or I'll go and I'll do the thing like, you know, I'll fly to New York and go to the show or whatever it is that I've set up, but it doesn't make me feel anything inside. Mm-hmm. So it's more like I'm just kind of doing it the emotions. Of yeah. feeling it. Yeah. There's a disconnect in emotion. And that's just because the, that part of my brain hasn't been active. Right. Well, we're going to have to, like I said, come visit. Let's go shopping. We'll get that activated. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of the day, I'll have it all figured out for you. We'll we'll just. (laughs) It'd be really, really great to find out some sort of. Absolutely. Some sort of ability. And I had asked my husband, how often do people feel this way? On on Sunday, I, I felt like I found a unicorn. It was something so out of the realm of understanding for me or possibility for me. And a good friend of mine said something interesting. She said, you know, when I was talking to you earlier in the week, you were really frustrated with the project. And it was true. I was very frustrated with this project and I would have scrapped it except that I had a commitment and I had to follow through. (laughs) 
So, you know, she said, had you asked earlier in the week, if you were going to have a reward because of this project, you would have told me, no, never. I haven't had a reward signal really within the last five years. Right. And I, I told her, I said, that's true. And she said, and you would have been wrong. <laughs> also yeah. true. But so also- I'd love to, to find out some ways to, to feel that way as often as possible. Absolutely. Well, part of it, and honestly, it's it's the follow through because you, like you said, you were frustrated. Um, Most people give up when they're frustrated. You stuck it out. You made a commitment. And for you, that is rock solid. That is not the MO for everyone out there. So even more so that that reward, that feeling that you got, because you did the tough stuff and you succeeded, you completed it on time, all those things add up. And then there's that ah feeling that you got. And most people just try to get to the off feeling without actually doing all the steps to get there. <laughs> so I think it's also why yours was so, you know, intense and, and noticeable is because girl, that was tough. That was a lot of work that did push you out of your comfort zone. And yet the win was there as well. So I'm very yeah. happy for you. I am too. And, you know, I, I had said, I said, you know what, even if I never experienced it again, which I will, yeah, because this was just so not faint, it was just so strong and wonderful, you know, I, but I said, you know, even if I never experienced it again, my brain remembers how, and that gives me a <laughs> yes. feeling of some sort of hope, you know, totally, totally. Well, no, you're making the memories. This is awesome. Yeah. Speaking of Disney, um, can you tell us all a little bit more about the Disney experience um, that you provide people? Yeah, actually, um, I do a lot of work with Disney, with the Disney company, um, Disney fairy tale weddings in particular, especially with my DJ company, and it's great. I, you know, I live in the land of of weddings. I show up to work, and people are really glad to see me. And yes, you know, my job definitely is reading the crowd and knowing the particular music and the particular mix for each crowd because no crowd is the same, nope. which is exciting for me. Um, <laughs> And no group of personalities is the same because everybody comes with different dynamics, different friends, different family members, and and all these wonderful personalities. And uh, my job really is to create emotions in people. So yes, it is with the music, and yes, it is you know being on the microphone and you know leading one part of the night into the into the next. But what I'm really paid for is to create emotions inside of people. Much like if you're if you're watching a movie and there's a soundtrack, you know when to feel romance or you know when to laugh right, and right. those type of things because there's a an underlying score. You're so setting that's really the my scene. Job. I love it. I'm setting the scene. Yeah. I'm setting for the me, scene for these emotions that people exactly. are going to keep their entire lives. The so soundtrack. it's magical for them, but totally. it's super magical for me too. <laughs> oh, and then I get a chance to do a lot of modeling with um, Disney artists and those type of things. Um, I've had some really fabulous experiences, especially with with Disney artists. I've I've had the ability to uh, see myself as a Disney princess in. Oh. In print, in art, Glenn Keane, who is uh, a Disney legend animator, he, yeah. he animated um, Ariel. Oh, no, yeah, Ariel, Beast from Beauty and the Beast. Many, many, many big characters that we know and love. <laughs> I am the centerpiece of, uh, I want to say it's called Google Paintbrush. Oh but gosh. this is the, the virtual reality experience. And, um, there was, this is pre-amnesia, so I don't remember it, but this was, uh, when I was in high school and, uh, he, his daughter and I went to school together and we were in the, the same class in the same school. And, uh, he, I guess was a, a counselor on one of the field trips and as a gift for, for, you know, the, the kids he had drawn us kids, you know, we were teenagers Wow. Uh, he had drawn us and he gave us a sketchbook that was our gift. And I'm positive. I probably didn't know like, wow, wow. this is a really big deal at the time. Yes. Um, and I don't remember the, the memory directly, but I, I get this through my husband who tells oh. me the story. So it's a secondhand story. Um, but I did run into Glenn Keane within the last two years and I had the book with me because I knew he was going to be there at the Beauty and the Beast um, anniversary. And so I had come up and for me, you know, I don't remember the memories, but he certainly would probably, you know, get a laugh like, oh, you remember when Claire and I, you know, we did this thing. And so I came up and there's pictures of me, there's sketchings of me 
that are throughout the sketchbook, just the same as there's sketches of um, wow. of others. And there's one in particular that he called Victory Dance. And we had just won the national award for singing. And um, so I came up, you know, with this book and everything like that, like, ha ha, look, you know, do you remember this? And he said, you're the girl. So Aww. apparently, um, he, he made a used, big impression. <laughs> well, well, apparently what he had done is he had gone back through some old sketches when he was doing this work with um, the virtual reality team. And what he wanted, what they wanted was a, a, a default program that, you know, this, this comes kind of like either built in or when you download right. the app or however it works with, with paintbrush. I want to say it's called paintbrush, tilt brush. It's I'm right. terrible. I really should be plugging That's them and okay. I don't remember them, but it's, <laughs> I want to say it's like Google virtual reality. Um, but anyways, it's called Victory Dance, and he had chosen that sketch, and he said, "No, you're you're the centerpiece of How this cool. virtual reality experience." And he was like, "Who is this? Who's who is the guy you're dancing with?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't know." I, oh. I like we're gonna go this long conversation with Gwen Keat about like I really don't remember any of this stuff, you know. So um, I didn't have any answers, of course, for him. I'm like, I I, I don't know. He was taller than me, so. Um, maybe someone I went to school with or, or who knows, but that was a really, really fun experience. So I've had things like that happen, which have kind of, uh, clearly Disney was a part of pre-amnesia days and not just, you know, who I am today. I love it. I love it. Full circle with your Disney life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, Jamie, I just want to give you a chance to plug any, um, upcoming events or businesses that you want to promote. Um, before I ask you your very last question, because it's just been an amazing experience getting to hear your story and knowing that you are a true survivor. And yet, man, I think we have a lot to learn from you. I, I, I swear <laughs> this is this is one of those episodes where um, we're all like, just like, what? She did what? How did you do that? It's just awesome. awesome. I don't really have a whole lot of answers of how I did anything, <laughs> but I can tell you that I'm just a normal person like everybody else. Yeah, There really isn't anything that's spectacular about me, except that there is a resiliency of the human spirit that you just have to decide where you're going to, where you're going to be. And there are a lot of people that get stuck in terrible things that have happened to them. You know, friends of, of mine have faced those type of things. And I find that I'm the friend that will say basically what I'm saying now, um, what I said to myself, it, you get to decide what you want your future to be. No one gets to dictate to you, yep. not your past experiences or what you've lost or whatever. You actually truly do get to decide. It doesn't matter how you've been scarred up or, or what's going on. You get to decide your own narrative. I think in general, it makes it a little bit easier on on people when they give themselves permission to to let go of parts of their story that just don't serve them well anymore, Absolutely. or that just don't belong. You know? Words to live by, my dear. Words to live by. It's true. <laughs> but it's yeah, true. I mean, as far as like you know, what I have coming up, I've got um, I'm going to be a keynote speaker at uh, UC Irvine in a awesome. couple of weeks. It's actually going to be on uh, May fifth. And I have the nine o'clock in the morning slot. So I get my 6am to 9am, even though some of it's going to be on the road. Um, so that's going to be really fun. I'm going to be talking about this experience, but um, bringing out a, a few other things, um, especially with the, the couple dynamic between uh, my husband and myself. And uh, as far as any company, I mean, my company is Edge Entertainment. We're a Los Angeles mobile DJ company, and we're fantastic. And my guys are insanely <laughs> talented. Um, our our website is Party on the Edge. So if you're ever looking for some sort of escape from the world, you know, even if you don't have a wedding or anything like that coming up, um, I can be found personally on Instagram. And I my brand, you know, Party on the Edge, and it definitely is a very very fun escape from the world. You'll you'll see a lot of very um, colorful and fun things. It definitely is an escape for it people. Is. There's not a lot of serious talk on my page. No, um, it's, it's, it's like wonderful. eye candy and fun and yeah. romantic and adventure and kind of the good things in life. And, and really that's, that's what I do on social media. Hey, you know what? And that's what you get to focus on. And that's what's great because that's the world you've created for yourself. And yeah. we're all just going to share in it with you. Um <laughs> My very last question, and this is something in a game that I used to play when I was a talent agent. Um, this was, was, was a game we used to play with, 
each other in that world. Um, but Jamie, who would play you in the story of your life? Which actor? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what's really funny? I had this conversation two weeks ago with my husband. <laughs> I, the person that I picked, I didn't pick because I felt that they were necessarily going to be able to pull off all of my emotions. But I was like, this is such a performer thing to do. I said, I'm going to get butts to fill those seats. This is going to be a blockbuster movie. <laughs> I picked Megan Fox. Awesome. <laughs> like, oh, I love she's it. She's gorgeous and people love her and mm-hmm. she doesn't look like me. <laughs> nothing, like, we don't look alike or anything. But I'm just like, you know, she's she's amazing and she's beautiful. And I will guarantee you that if she played me, you know, bus, it would be in those seats and sell a lot of tickets. So there you I go. don't know if that tends to be a super shallow answer. But no, that is I love it. A butts business. in the seats because that's what we're talking about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It would be a solid business decision, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, thinking ahead. You don't realize it, but you are making big moves, my dear. Big moves. I love it. I appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. Oh, it was my pleasure. I'm so happy people are going to get to hear your story and really understand um, something that I'm sure not very many people are aware of. Um, Again, and and you're so, you're just so special and you're, your energy, your joy that you bring to the world is so important. And if everybody just had a pinch of what you have, it's kind of like Tinkerbell fairy dust. We'd all be in a better place. So thank you, Jamie Court. I appreciate I it so that. much. I'm, I'm carrying that around with me for probably Good. the rest of my life. I'm going to write that down in my <laughs> <laughs> You do have the fairy dust. You are fully there. I love it. Well, thank you, my dear. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 